All right, welcome back for another episode of Cooking Sports. You're here with Keith and Aaron. It is week seven of 2024. We appreciate everyone tuning in with us today and listening. Anything you hear today is our own personal opinions. Uh, how was your week, Aaron? What's going on? Well, sh- hey guys, how you doing? Um, busy weekend. It's a sunny day out here on the on the island, so I hope everybody's having a good day today. Uh, we had a busy weekend this weekend. There's a few things that happened. I think uh, Keith wanted to talk about some golf first. I think that's a good change of it. I think we're going to talk about some Super Bowl, some football news, uh, hockey, and we're going to end off trying to figure out what's going on with Vladimir Guerrero today. Um, the waste management was on the same weekend as the Super Bowl, and it's still... My mind matches, like, I was really interested in the golf. It's a pretty, how many times when you're watching the tournament, they would uh, pan the whole uh, whole 16? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's it's quite the spectacle. Did you get a chance to watch it, Keith? It's, it's awesome. Um, I try and tune in every year for at least one of the one of the rounds that they play because it's, it's definitely a spectacle. Um, it's, a, it's an absolute blast, and it's... It's golf in a completely different way than what you're used to seeing it. Um, it's a completely different way of playing it or the feelings that is for the golfers, I'm sure. Like, it's a different pressure. Like you get, you can be on a par three and land on the green, you get booed because it wasn't a good enough shot. Or you lay up on a par, a par five and still birdie it, but they didn't like the layup. You got to go for it, right? So it's like, it, it's different pressures and a different feeling for what's going on there. And it's no holds barred. It's the people's open. Yeah, it's pretty fun. Um, uh, yeah, I um, well, Nick Taylor right off the start there. After the first day, I had a five-stroke lead, and I heard that was the longest eighteen-hole lead since '93. Uh, it was Jim Gallagher that did it, and the largest eighteen-hole uh, lead in the Phoenix Open so far. So, and and he shot a, a on the Thursday. Yeah, he shot a sixty, and I'm pretty sure that tied the course record. For what it was, and anytime you're touching close to a, a 59 or getting close to a 59, that's that's pretty spectacular. So uh, yeah, yeah, nobody took Nick Taylor this week in the one and done. So uh, <laughs> it was a pretty good finish. Uh, we had one guy take Charlie Hoffman. Props to that guy. Nice. Um, that's a good. That's a ballsy call right there. I also hear that. Uh, <laughs> He wasn't. Uh, Tiger said no to him for the Genesis, but now I guess he's getting an exempt. I would think. I don't know how that works, but I just I saw something on the uh, golf digest. Okay. Um, yeah. Talking about it being rowdy, uh, I just heard that John Rom that's been uh, that's jumped ship and he's over in LIV. I hear he's grumbling about uh, the loud atmosphere and the kind of rock and roll atmosphere of LIV. I hear there's a bunch of fights that break out now over there, and he's kind of like I like the waste management, and I, but I don't think that's what it, golf should be. I think that's good for for a weekend or two in during the season, but uh, I like that. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. That's that, what makes it so special because there's nothing else like it. Yeah, it it shouldn't be that way the whole time. I agree with you like that. And there should be some boundaries and some you know lines that you you don't want to cross. Um, one hundred thirty five 
instances of somebody being so drunk they they uh, lost consciousness. That was the stat. <laughs> that was <laughs> the stat. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt you. So, yeah. well, to put that in perspective, they also um, stopped selling alcohol on Saturday and closed the gates. Wow. So those those were numbers and in, in, were in effect even with limited booze sales on one of the days. Yeah, and it was fine. And it was rainy and 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 wet and soggy out there. But no, it, it's great. I agree. It's it, I love the spectacle. I love how it is a rare thing, um, like the Ryder Cup when um, yeah. the the players are showing emotion and they're there. It's a team event. That's a different feel of it as well. Um, it yeah, a, a great time. In, interesting for what it for what it is, and just the fact that something can be so different, but still a PGA sanctioned event that is just it's normal. And um, it would have been nice to see the storyline um, that went along with Hoffman as well for you know how old he is and and the security that would have come with winning that. They had a list of the things that you get for yeah, uh, winning crazy. that tournament. So. Um, that played it nice safe play. last few holes too, so you know, it, yeah. And um, uh, was it five? The last five holes, did, uh, Nick Taylor birdie. He ta- he birdied five three, or six or something. Three of the last four, but then he birdied eighteen back to back times in the in the playoffs. So yeah, that would have been oh, five five so, of the last six. I didn't get to see the playoffs. I just saw the highlights because my uh, PVR ran out right when he was on eight. On, uh, <laughs> I just, so I didn't even get to see that. I just saw that he won. So it it was a it was a great finish. Um, Hoffman started out early. He went guns a blazing and had f- like I think it was four birdies in the first six holes or something. Um, and then had jumped out to a huge lead. Nick Taylor started, was playing good, but he really started putting the pressure on at 15. I believe that's the par five that he actually, he laid up from 235 yards. And the, the announcers during the, the actual, uh, broadcast were kind of questioning that and like, oh, that's going to be an interesting decision. And his third shot, he just stuck it and drained, drained the yeah, birdie and walked off. Yeah. And that started, um, yeah, three birdies in a row, including, uh, did you see his final putt on 18 to tie it? Uh, no, I didn't. It, it was... I just told you my PVR. Oh, right, PVR. Yeah. Oh. And, um, for as far as uh, knee-bending putt um, within 10 feet, I think it was 7 feet and change or something like that. But like he started it far outside edge of the cup. And it was it was sliding a little bit to the left, but like he looked like he knew it was missing, and then it just kind of barely hung on and dropped in the side door at the last moment to tie it up on eighteen. Like it was a putt that looked not the greatest coming off his putter, but it willed its way in there. And then yeah, on the two playoff holes, um, he went birdie birdie, and Hoffman went birdie birdie and uh, a par. They both. On the second playoff hole, they both uh, had trouble off the tee. Um, I have to, Nick Taylor did get a couple of favorable bounces in the last five holes for sure. Twice he hit the bunker, but it popped out and like landed in the rough, and he was able to go up and down and stick it real close from there. Uh, but it was a good battle, really entertaining for sure. Yeah, that's going to suck for uh, Mr. Hoffman there, seeing that putt on 18 go down. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Scotty Scheffler, he tired out. He was... He, he was, was making great a charge on Saturday, yeah, and he just—I think he just got tired. It looked like he was—he wasn't just making putts. And yeah, Spe- Spieth was in there. He faded. He wasn't making putts too. He—he he was having a rough go. No, Nick Taylor putted, putted great, and I think yeah. that's a, yeah. a fantastic tournament to watch. And next week we got Tiger Woods playing for uh, 
the first time in a long time, and uh, it should be fun, too. I was just reading before he came over here too. Uh, Tyler Woods apparently because his contract with Nike is is now defunct. Yeah. He won't have the swoosh anymore, so he'll be donning some uh, different duds this weekend at the Genesis. He's got a different logo. I saw the logo. It's a tiger kind of logo. It's cool. Mm. I like it. It's not the old like the just a straight up TW from back in the day. No, and he's not going to go poor. So you know you knew that <laughs> he's not going to go poor. You knew that uh, Nike was eventually going to be like it's it's time to yeah. I don't think he was sad about it, and I don't think Nike's too worried about it either. So I can relabel my my change fund for Tiger going poor, just in case I ever see him. He's living on the street. That's right. Yeah. Reallocate those funds. Got it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, that should be a fun golf tournament. So that yeah, that was golf. I like the red hats out there. They had the chef hats where they had like fifty guys in the stands wearing red chef hats. That was pretty cool. Uh, all kinds of different costumes out there, and I liked uh, Kisner. And who was the guy he was with? On 16, uh, they were sitting right beside the green, and they were uh, announcing, but they were pretty, I can't remember the guy he was with, but they they were uh, were pretty fun to listen to. Um, <laughs> uh, funny enough, too, they actually had Adam Hadwin, who was in the stands watching um, this all go down on the, on the 18th, and he was in the audience, like, kind of at uh, green level, and there was a clip of someone's cell phone who was, like, talking to him, like, hey, Adwin, like... Like what? What do you think? Are you gonna rush the green this year? And he's like, "Nah, not not gonna do it. Nah. I, le- I learned my lesson straight up." He that's, called and it. that's 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 funny because our first episode that we did for uh, Cooking Sports was uh, we talked about Nick Taylor and uh, the RBC last year. So we come around full to uh, our seventh week, eighth episode. I think we've actually learned a lot, <laughs> and we're talking about Nick Taylor again. So uh, I just want to thank everybody for listening to. And sticking with us because we're still trying to, you know, work out the kinks to it. But we really enjoy talking golf, and we're always gonna say what uh, say what we feel. I I completely agree. And before we move on for the the waste, I wasn't moving on yet. So oh, I was ready to move on. But Keith Keith usually gives me a shot in the in the ribs there, like <laughs> like he was playing hockey to right. make sure that he's got one more thing. So just got we're softening him up, tenderizing, you know, a little yeah. tenderizing. Um, did, did you see on, on Friday, I don't think there's a video of it, but did you hear on Friday that a fan actually fell out of the stands on the 16th hole? I was wondering that too. When you watch it and you think about what's being consumed, you gotta think somebody's gonna fall out of there, right? Yeah. Like the beer snake, you see like all the green cups and the beer snake going through there, like something's gotta happen at some point, so apparently... I see people riding people down the hill when it was wet, like, it was like, a, like a slip and slide, yeah. it was, or, but or, it was total fails because they go halfway and then fall... Face first. Oh, I, I could totally see some of that escalating to someone bringing a wheel of cheese and they just do a cheese der- the cheese derby down the hill, like leading into it. I'd like to hear people's <laughs> comments because you know we, whoever plays golf, we play golf. We've all been to that one golf match where we've had way too much out of the bottle from the bag there, and it gets a little blurry by the end of the game. I remember up. Oh, I don't know if I wanted my dad listens to this. Um. Let's just say I was at Grey Wolf one time in Invermere, and we had way, like, it was a, it was always bad when there's a frost delay, because then you're stuck in the pub drinking double seasons, <laughs> and it just doesn't it end up, it doesn't end up well. Anyways, yeah, that's the waste management. Yeah, there we go. You want to talk to the Super Bowl? I guess that happened yesterday. Apparently there's a Super Bowl on. Um, yeah, I'll let you start this one off. Well, it's a close game. Um, I had, uh... Well, we had a party over my house, but then ended up some people got sick, some people had to go to work, and then 
I ended up saying, well, I'm just going to cancel it, but I'm glad I didn't because my cousin came over. She, uh, she brought a friend of hers, and then we had one in the house that was just a Taylor Swift fan, never even watched her first game, my partner. And I was kind of like, I don't know how this is going to go. This is the first time I've watched uh, the Super Bowl with, you know, a bunch of ladies. But uh, it was actually a lot of fun. They didn't poke fun at the game. And Mel knows her football. Yeah, she was schooling me. And uh, <laughs> the girl, I'm, a, I'm on Taylor Swift's side now because she was involved in the game. You know, it's, you know the girl that uh, likes Taylor Swift, she w- was interested in the game. It doesn't do anything but help. Football, I guess, and I guess I'm just tired of hearing about these assholes that are actually attacking her for like it's not her fault that she's getting she's just dating the guy and the, and they're trying to make money so really yeah like it's not a big deal I'm I'm on Taylor Swift's side now so well I, I mean it's, it, people and we were joking around about it earlier but the fact that she gets um, camera footage and coverage on her when things are happening isn't her fault. It's not like she's nope. drawing that attention to her. She's not streaking down the field and trying to be that person. And it is what it is, and I, I agree. Um, it definitely brings new new fans and a little bit of different excitement into, into the game that we saw. Um, and when you watch her cheering, uh, even down the in the final drive there... Um, that was intense, and there was a lot, lot of nails. stuff going on. Yeah, yeah and, and, and I was too. Like, I was feeling those same kind of emotions when there's less than 30 seconds left and they're yeah. driving to, to try and tie it up. That's, um... It was a good game. It, it, was, a, it was a great game, yeah. I, oh, and before I forget, did you hear that Jay-Z did at the Grammys? Did the same thing Kanye did with Taylor Swift, basically. He got up there, accepted an award, then he started going on about Beyonce should have had an album, or still hasn't had an album of a year. Didn't call anybody straight out, but Taylor's the one that won the album of the year, I think. But he starts going on about, while Beyonce's in the front row, I'm like, guys, come on, did you not learn your lesson the first time? (laughs) So that's why, another reason why I'm on Taylor's side, because, and Jay-Z's a, he's an owner now for the NFL too, so it all kind of ties into, to football, which is crazy. Jay-Z, Jay-Z, shut your mouth, man. Beyonce doesn't even write her music. So right there, Taylor Swift deserves it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> I, I totally agree. So um, Jay-Z's got to learn the lesson. Adam Hadwin learned his lesson. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. He should have got tackled in the middle of the speech. <laughs> that's oh, fantastic. With a giant champagne bottle, just crushed, just like Hadwin. Oh, that's good. Excuse me. Ah, uh, okay. Um, I think there was some football that went on in the game too, didn't there? <laughs> yeah, there is, there is some football. There was, uh, I think it... I wouldn't say it started out slow, but I think it was it was just a battle for both teams. There wasn't a lot of ground that was gained, lot, not a lot of ground that was given up. Um, defenses were playing well. Um, I think 49ers and, and Purdy had some, some chances that they missed on. Um, the Chiefs offense wasn't necessarily clicking at the beginning, but they got rolling in the second half, and it it was a really good game. Yeah, I couldn't have asked for anything anything more as far as entertainment value, I don't think. It played out how I kind of thought it would. It would come down to Mahomes making, making, mm-hmm. catching up and making those last-minute plays. Being and Mahomes, it, yeah. And it came to Purdy just not making the right the right move certain times. I think there was a couple of times. But it could have gone either way, though. Like it That game could have been close. over in the first first play of the, uh, of the overtime where that – Interception and bounced right through the guy's hands. It was right there. Yep. KC, they were on the 20. That would have been the game. Yep. There was uh, definitely a couple um, opportunities that uh, pretty just missed. There was one in end zone on, on, yeah, uh, on an over Yeah, Just overthrew him a little bit. Yeah. Um, 
he yeah he pretty hung in there. He played a good game. <coughs> Excuse me. He uh, he played smart. He didn't play outside of his means and force it. Um, and it just came down to one of those classic battles where you, you come down to uh, um, a Manning or um, I should say not an Eli necessarily, but a Peyton Manning or a Brady or a Mahomes. Um, one of those guys where if you give them time a minute left on the clock and or a couple timeouts and they can drive down there and yeah. especially for only for a field goal that missed Moody um, or that blocked Moody yep. extra point was yep. absolutely huge yep. because that that essentially allowed for and, a, uh, just a field goal allowed for to, a field goal to yeah. tie it up at the very end and 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 it would have changed the, the outlook of the game because you would have been going for a touchdown and might not have been able to make Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And still, that, still got the field, but still be down by a point, yeah. And at that point, I think it was about a minute and a half with two timeouts they had, but that changes the complexion when you're going 30 yards and you only have to get to the 30-something the in order for to get a field goal, right? Yeah. So I see was, how you didn't in, in, you, you passed over Eli Manning there. We forget that Eli Manning beat Brady twice. 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 Twice, and I keep forgetting that too. It's just almost like you just kind of like it was all about that catch of the behind the helmet. But we forget that twice he beat Tom Brady, yeah, and yeah. now that kind of plays into like Patrick Mahomes now has how many? Uh, three. He's got three, right? Three? He's yeah. been there five times. You know, five times in his. I got he sat out the first year, right? Yeah, he only he played the very last game of the season or something. He's behind. So Alex every yeah. game basically he's played, he's he's made it to the show. Yeah, pre- pretty much. He's been, I, he's, he's like twenty eight years old. <laughs> yeah, Tom Brady got to watch out now. I'm just saying, like, I don't it's know. getting legit. Like if you start looking and looking at that, because Brady has some downtime in there, but they look like Kansas City looks like they're ready to just keep on rocking and rolling because they they do it in different ways, right? They don't have Tyreek anymore. Yeah. Kelsey was played great in the playoffs. He looks a little soft, though. He looks, he looks a little, he looks looks a little like, a, like, a, like he's in a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> until until he went charging up to Andy Reid and almost knocked him over. <laughs> did you see what? Did you see what Jason Kelsey showed up to in the Super Bowl? No. Zach Galifianakis in the Hangover <laughs> with the fanny pack and everything. Look it up, man. It is, he looks just like him. It's, oh, it, man. it was fantastic. Did but, he have a Carlos baby? No, he oh, just no. Just, he just had the just, fanny pack. The, the fanny pack. And he okay, did the pose enough. too with the, you know with the uh, knuckles behind. Anyways, when they had the beard, I would imagine. Oh yeah, it good. was fantastic. But we counted out. We counted out Casey. I know I did when I was doing my pickums, um, and I think there was just near the end of the season. People were forgetting about Kansas City. We're all thinking, oh, maybe it's Buffalo's year this year because they're getting mm-hmm. on fire there. And then there's Miami, that powerful offense. And, you know, San Francisco, of course, and Dallas, but whatever happened to that. <laughs> well, but leading into it, absolutely, I completely agree about that. Um, Casey's defense was, was the difference this year. Yeah, um, their defensive coordinator, uh, he really Spagnola, coached, he, he coached yeah. a great game on yeah. everyone. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and especially... Uh, there was a couple third downs late in the in the fourth quarter and also in the overtime where they were third and not necessarily long, but he brought pe- pressure, but he hit it the right way, so they didn't really know pressure was coming, and it kind of blew up the play. And um, a lot of defensive linemen tipping balls and getting their hands up at the at the line there, um, knocking down plays for against the 49ers that really really helped out KC defense allowed. 
KC to stay in the game long enough for Mahomes to start doing Mahomes thing that and taking over. Pass rush of San Francisco was lethal during the game. Like yeah. he didn't have any time. You could see he was mm-hmm. he was a little bit mm-hmm. on on his toes there. Like it was it was lethal. The, the, yep. the San Francisco defense played so good in this first half. Yeah, and uh, then it was just Patrick Mahomes took over late in the second half. Interesting enough, too, it wasn't necessarily Joey Bosa's. Um, or sorry, Nick Bosa's best game um, as far as stat-wise. He was in there blowing up plays as always, but there was a couple times where he over-rushed Mahomes and allowed Mahomes to break away and kind of get the edge and either run it out of bounds or throw it out of bounds and get away from a sack from him. And um, But there are also a really, uh, a whole lot of times um, during the play, and, and Tony Romo pointed out on it during the broadcast, where he contained that edge and kept Mahomes in the pocket and didn't allow him to run for the third downs. But, I, man, I tell you, on especially on that last drive um, of the fourth quarter, tied up, Mahomes, he was finding Kelsey open, he was making plays, but there was times that he just grabbed the ball and he just ran for it. There was a third down where it was a design call where they just basically emptied out the whole zone. Kelsey ran on a bootleg to go block, and he ran for 15 yards to go get the third down. And, once again, Romo touched uh, was commenting on that on the broadcast that that's not something you see during the regular season or even the playoffs. Those are Super Bowl-specific running plays for Mahomes that they only call when there's only one game left and he's not going to get injured. Like, it's do oh, or yeah. die. They have and those, those, those are the plays. Shanahan has those plays, too. You've seen a couple of the, that one play where they threw the ball back a couple times. <laughs> yeah. That was a pretty yeah. good play. Yeah. So Jennings for San Francisco, he was the one who threw that touchdown pass. Um, and he becomes, and he had a great game. He taught, caught a touchdown. He had a whole bunch of third downs. Apparently they call him uh, third down uh, Jennings or Jennings uh, third down. But he played really well, and he ends up being um, tied with Nick. Uh, Nick Foles is the only person to catch a um, touchdown in the Super Bowl and also throw for one. Oh, wow. Because Foles had the Philly special yep. back in the day against uh, New well, there you England. Go. I guess it would have been. And they had the longest uh, field goal in history in the Super Bowl. <laughs> they were pounding, one. yeah, 50-yarder plus. 55 yards yeah, there, yeah. Crazy. Yeah, it was a good game. Yeah, the halftime show was, yeah, it was okay. Yeah, I'm not really a big fan of Usher, but uh, some parts of it was pretty good. I like to see Ludacris, and uh, I think they you know, came out in roller skates, and it was quite the production, <laughs> yeah. but I want to yeah. see some country next year. I don't know, or some rock and roll. That's what I want to see. That's fair enough, yeah. I did like how Usher was, was on the field at one point and, like, actually on the grass and, like, hanging out and they're all dancing out there. Usually you just get him, like, it's on the big stage or they come out on, you know, a giant dragon or a horse or whatever it is. But, um, no, I thought it was a good uh, halftime show. The The giant clock stage was interesting at one point. Um, the costumes, he had, like, a sparkly, blue sparkly, um, I don't know, I guess it would be, like, a superhero costume almost looking thing, like Superman or something. Good times at the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's that's about it. I wasn't really too invested in any the, any team there. I, I kind of can't stand seeing Kansas City win. Uh, hopefully somebody else will. Well, uh, we'll see. Next year will be fun. And we always say that next year will be fun. But that's it. Football is done, I guess. We're not going to spend much time uh, talking about football for a little bit. Well, we could... Uh... I don't know. Do we ever talk about uh, Mike McDonald getting hiring by oh, hired by yeah, the Seahawks? Oh my bad, jeez. And I think Keith, you told me that. Sorry to forget that. Wow. Yes. I thought you might want to just. 
I call it. G- give, give a comment in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fantastic. Seattle has the youngest coach now uh, in the NFL, but we have a guy that is humble, that looks at, I think he works hard. He, he, he soaks up as much information from uh, all the coaches that he has and everybody that he, he seems like a guy that he built a great defense in, in, in Baltimore. Um, I just think he was the perfect hire for, for Seattle. Uh, I think having Pete Carroll around is going to be a little, might makes, would make anybody a little nervous, but I think he's just going to learn from him. And uh, we have a guy that can create a, a bit of a different culture, maybe get back to that really good defense that Seattle is known for, and that's kind of how the West Coast offense is, is played from. You know, we just it – was, it was hard to put Geno in those positions as much as I give him a hard time. Uh, the defense just – you know, we lost – I think we lost games because of the defense. We just couldn't hold anybody. We were last place in so much. Yeah. So to get a guy that's uh, defensive-minded, and I listened to the, the about half of the uh, um, uh, the broadcast when he, he was being introduced uh, with, what's our, uh, John, is it Schneider? John Schneider, yeah. Yeah, they were pretty, like, he seemed pretty happy, and everybody seemed like they are on the, right, on the same page. So uh, I'm pretty pumped for next year, Seahawks. And, um, yeah, I think everybody, I don't think Belichick's, Going to have a job next year, and uh, yeah, I don't know how it's going to work out with Pete Carroll, but um, yeah, I'm pretty pumped about that. What do you think, Keith? I agree. I I, I don't think Belichick's going to have a job this year, and he's, 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 <laughs> wait, he's waiting for McCarthy's last last season, and he'll go to Dallas. I think that's hilarious. Good good hire for McDonald for sure. Uh, I, I his interact introductory press conference. I I thought it was great. He was well spoken. He was enthusiastic. Said some good things. John Snyder to open that press conference before he handed off was really awkward. And yeah, it, it was he just, is awkward. <laughs> he, like. It, it was it was interesting, but it was totally... He, he it feels was, like a trust fund baby to me, I think, a little bit. That's what John yeah. Schneider is. This is like his little like uh, his little toy or something like that. But he seems like he's pretty pumped into it. And and he's like, I got out of that interview, like when you, the feeling for me was like, he was he was a kid who got went to the candy store, and then like while he was in there, they're like, John, we'll give you an extra $10 for candy. And he just got so stoked and overwhelmed that he forgot really how to talk or <laughs> what the whole true. point was, what was going on. So you can see that he was talking from his heart too, right? Like he's yeah, a, he's yeah. a passionate guy, but he, he yeah, he's an interesting fellow, that's for sure. But he enthusiastic. I I think it's a really good hire. Whether or not how much impact that has on the defense um, is yet to be to be seen. But see what we um, do in the draft. But, but yeah, I I think it's a good hire. It seems like um like like you said he he's he learns and he's a person who is not only positive but he wants to learn. He wants to improve and he wants to absorb as much as he can from all the people he interacts with um in the nfl and and as far as coaches and things like that and the players as well so i, I think it, it's a, a smart move and uh hopefully hopefully it works out for them there's yeah in, interesting as well that at one point i think it was the cowboys interviewed rex ryan for their defensive quarter uh, coordinator position that um dan quinn just um left and i i don't know I think they were they interviewed uh, Mike Zimmer and Ron Riviera as well, but I don't know if anyone got hired or what ended up there. So because Dan Quinn is now somewhere else, he became the head coach of 
I don't know. I didn't know that. He, I was just glad that he didn't come to Seattle. I don't, want you Seattle. Don't, don't bring us any of that. I, I'm surprised anybody would hire Dan Quinn. I get it, but like, I don't know, man. That stain doesn't doesn't wash out. I don't think. You're, you're talking from the Super Bowl, right? Of course, we're talking. Yeah, yeah. Especially when you're known as a defensive coordinator, yeah. and you let that happen, right? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I just not. I wouldn't like him. Or, oh, no, not Seattle. We're happy with Mike McDonald, and uh, I can't wait for next year. I agree, and and that's one of the reasons why I'm always a little bit opt- or pessimistic when when people say like, oh, the offense was terrible, so we'll hire an offensive guru, or the quarterback was not good, so we'll get a quarterback guru to fix it all and things like that. Because you have cases where Dan Quinn was a really good defensive guy, he was the guy, and he was the shit in Seattle, and then he went to Atlanta, didn't really make that defense any better, and they had a lot of different pieces that they could have used, and it just never really panned out, so... Um, sometimes once those defensive offensive coordinators get into the head coaching role, they're not really focused on one thing. And there's a lot to be said about that, right? If you hire people that you trust, you trust them to do your job. You don't micromanage that. But just because you hired a defensive head coach doesn't mean it automatically fixes the defense, right? So yeah, if you're in the kitchen and we're trying to hang over the you know uh, fry section or try to be on pans at the same time as Gardner Manger, like it's. Um, yeah, it's not going to run very well. I don't <laughs> work very well with somebody on my back. <laughs> right. you got to trust your sous chefs. Yeah. you got to trust your junior chefs, your comies. And, uh, yeah, that's yeah. I think you're right with that one, Keith. Like, you have to – you have a job as head coach, and I don't like it that much when the head coach gets really involved in, say, just the offense or just the defense because um, there's plenty of guys out there that are, that you can hire that, that can do the job, and I think uh, – yeah, I think you got to make decisions that quick. It's, you know, sometimes the, the head coach can get tired. Completely agree. And at that point in time, in, that, in a situation like that, you're all reading from the same bills. You're all reading from the same playbook and the same goals. So you just got to tell me, hey, what, what bill are you working on and, and how much time for the macaroni? And then we'll time it out. And it doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. You don't have to be over my shoulder making sure that I got it on and that it's ready to rock. Yeah, well, we'll see about uh, Seattle's defense. I think um, it's going to be a fun season next year. I can't wait. I agree, and that division doesn't get any easier. San Francisco still doing their thing. They've got um, Mystery Relevant on a rookie contract who seems to be he, he seems to be a, a good quarterback who goes through his reads and gets the ball out quick and um, as accurate as, as he needs to be. you got the Rams who... Um, did a lot better than people expected this year. And um, if Cup comes back and they got Nakua and they got a healthy Stafford and they got some young pieces on defense, um, they're going to be trouble. And we'll see what happen, happens with the Cardinals and Murray because Kyler Murray looked a lot better coming back from that leg injury than I thought he was going to. Um, so that division could possibly be one of the toughest ones in uh, football next year. Yeah, it's going to be a tough one. All right, let's talk some hockey. That's it. No more football. Not until we hear something, but I'm going to hear something for a little bit. So let's move on to some hockey there. I I think I just saw the Kraken losing again to New Jersey. So I'm just, like I said, after that 2-0 uh, loss to San Jose before the All-Star game, I'm not feeling uh, great about my Kraken, but I'm still a fan. I'm not jumping off the bandwagon. I only get one of those. Do I only get one a year or are you not even allowed to do it? 
one a year, sorry, one one a lifetime. Sorry. <laughs> like, yeah, mulligans. I mean, if you want eighteen, yeah, mulligans that is that's a round, mulligan. That's right. Come on, we we're allowed one mulligan on each the front nine and the back nine. So front. So maybe so, I'll be a Canuck fan next week. You never know. <laughs> so you're allowed two bandwagons per hockey season. No per lifetime. No. Uh, Anyways, right? You got some stuff to talk about hockey. Uh, yeah, it was interesting coming back from from the All Star break, and I think, like you're saying with the Kraken, it's one goal games though too, right? Um, it seems to be everything's either one or two goal game. They're keeping it close. I think they're losing three nothing. Are they? Yeah, I think so. Oh, stepping out of the mold and getting worse. But you're right, though. Wrong they usually, wrong they usually are going to lose by one or give up the lead and lose in overtime. Joey Decor definitely looks like he looks great. He looks like a number one guy, and yeah, he so looks that, great. that that's something to build on for sure. Las Vegas coming back from the All Star break, game one for the Oilers. Oh yeah, and that's right. Vegas beats Edmonton, halts the win streak at sixteen. Did games. you watch the game? Didn't watch the game. I, I feel like Bettman would have had a had a hand in that. <laughs> a little bit. You know, it would have been nice to see that. I don't know. Like, anyways, so Pittsburgh still has the record. What is it? Eighteen in a row. It was 17, I think, is the 92-93 uh, um, Penguins. So they had 16? They had 16, yeah. Oh. So, and, and, sorry, Edmonton. And funny enough. Sorry, team, not sorry. The, the, the team that Edmonton now ties for second with 16 wins is the Columbus Blue Jackets of all teams from like 2015, 2016, 2017, somewhere in there. Wow. Um, they went, I think it was the year after. Remember they beat Tampa Bay Juggernaut in the first round and swept them? I think it was the season after that they came. That came was Rick Nash. No, that was post post Rick Nash for sure. Mm. Yeah, um, there you go, Columbus Blue Jackets. But of all, of all the teams, any, of all the teams, Columbus, Columbus Blue Jackets. How did Columbus sixteen <laughs> sixteen in a row? I I wonder what it'd be like. I always wonder what it'd be like to go to an Arizona game or even be in an Arizona Coyotes. Uh, locker room, like uh, how pumped can you be to get? Like, where are you going? Like, it just seems like you're not going anywhere. Austin Matthews apparently grew up as a child to being a huge Coyotes fan, but I guess he had Shane Doan back in the day. I don't know. They're playing in the Mullet Arena still, so maybe it's a good atmosphere. Well, Five thousand people. I hope out. they do well. You know, you like to keep it competitive. I love Nashville. The Predators are fantastic. Their fans are awesome. Oh, especially in the Stanley Cup on that. P.K. Subban run when they went to the final. They were having a huge party in the yeah, street. Dallas good. Stars fans are real good as well. They're having a great time. Ugly you know, ugly jerseys. <laughs> the black with the neon green is a little oh bit much. It's a handful gosh. for sure. They're, they're a good sleeper pick for the Stanley Cup, though. They haven't been uh, performing really up to snuff, but you I talk know. about a team that like has a MVP caliber goaltender who yeah. can steal a couple series. Um, that might be a team you want to look into, throw some quick money down. Win the Stanley Cup before they start winning some games here. Yeah, I don't have much. You got to help me out there, Keith. I didn't catch a lot of hockey. Um, How are the Maple Leafs doing? My my neighbor well, wants to know. Interesting enough, uh, Maple Leafs are, are. I think they're in the first wild card spot in the East, but they actually had they played Ottawa the other night, um, and Ottawa beat the Maple Leafs, but it was three three. I believe, or four, must have been 4-3. And Ridley Grieg, Ridley Gregg, who's a a young guy, young center with a little bit of piss and vinegar like a Marchand or a um, a Theo Fleury or a Matthew Kachuk. Um, He was, he was out there in the last minute while we, while they were trying to defend an an empty, an empty net. And he was getting hacked in front of the net and cross-checked in front of the net. 
and the puck, and he was getting frustrated with the refs, and the puck went the other way, and all of a sudden he found himself on a breakaway with the empty net, so he wound up from the hash marks, took a huge slap shot into the empty net, and just, like, pissed everyone off. So Morgan Riley immediately skated in the corner, and the game's over. It's overtime. That That's it now. Or, sorry, it wasn't overtime, but that essentially finished it. And Morgan Riley went in the corner and cross-checked him right in the face. And so Morgan Riley's actually got a call for an in-person uh, hearing. He's going to probably get four to, some people are saying, ten-game suspension, Jeez. which would be a hu- huge detriment to, um, to the Leafs right now. Samsonov apparently has been playing really, really well. Nylander is still having a great campaign on a contract year. So lots to like in Leafs territory except for Morgan Riley cross-checking Greek in the face after the game, after he took a slapper into the empty net. What do you think about the unwritten rules of sports, Aaron? Apparently it's an unwritten rule in that you're not allowed to take a slap shot in someone's empty net when they pull the goalie. Um, depends on how the, you know how the game's going. Depends on the temperature of the game, I guess. It sounded like it was uh, he was getting beat around a bit, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I just you know you can't cross check somebody in the face like that. But uh, there, <laughs> I think there should be unwritten rules like you shouldn't take liberties on certain players, and there should be some sort of uh, uh, able you know you're able to uh, get even. I miss the tough guy. Like I miss. I miss, you know, having, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think a hockey is big on tradition. And I think, uh, I think, yeah, there are some unwritten rules, but also the temperature of the game there sounded like it was getting, uh, getting a little silly. He had a bit of a justification for taking a slap. Yeah, it's it's easy to see that, like, he was just, he was doing it out of frustration. I don't think it was necessarily at the Leafs it was at frustration of the officials and like things not getting called Um, and you're completely right temperature of the game for sure Um, I would say yeah hockey has all those has the most traditions and and unwritten rules as as baseball I think those are kind of the two time to get together Uh, and I I agree something like that Um, sure he overreacted and probably shouldn't have taken the slap shot into the empty net Obviously, Riley overreacted. You can't cross-check someone in the face yeah. um, and the way it goes. But when you think about for me, it, it is kind of stupid. Like, you're telling me that because you pulled the the your goalie because you were down and some, you turned the puck over and now someone took a slap shot in your empty net that you have to take exception to that. Maybe you should have played better and not, yeah. you know, I had, had the puck or things like that. Uh, I do one of the unwritten rules that I definitely would stand up for is when the goalie covers the puck and you come in there flying in as the forward yeah. and you do the snow plow and he gets the snow in his face and in his eyes. That one definitely pisses me off because that's a big no no because yeah. that actually like that will fuck up a goalie's like eyesight and things yeah. like that. Yeah. When you're doing it, you got to stand up for that a little bit. The, the, going back to the to, to baseball and you can take it back to to the bat flip hurt around the world and what. That did as far as how li- and how it liberated people like Fernando Tatis and and some guys like that to show some emotions when they hit a home run and and things like that. And there's a lot of p- pictures that as well. So the unwritten rule is that you're not supposed to gloat and you're not supposed to watch your home run when you hit a home run. A lot of pitchers are like, yeah, I deserve it. They're watching the home run too and they instantly see it and they put their head down and they don't want to see it. So a lot of pitchers feel, hey, if you want to have your moment in the spotlight, that's great. I should have had a better pitch. 
and then you wouldn't have had that. And those are the same pitchers who they'll strike you out, and they come off the mound fist I was just pumping and say, stuff. Yeah, and yeah. I like that. I like that. Intensity. Nobody gives nobody gives the pitchers crap as much as as it is for the bad. Yeah, uh, yeah. The flip the yeah. yeah, you yeah. Never, Manoa was was really one of those guys. Really good at that. Not anymore, I guess. Hey, eh? but uh, yeah, he was yeah. pretty good at that. I I I love that you mentioned the uh, Batista. Uh, <laughs> that game, there's that is so bloody ridiculous. He did nothing wrong in that game. That was completely justified. You watched the way that game played out. That he could have, he should have done more backflips and you know juggled three bats yeah. at the same time. At, at that around. point in the game, at, Are you at, kidding after me? what had just happened, because so many other guys do way worse and have done way worse up to that and after that. So yeah. it was yeah. just. It's silly. Nobody likes Toronto to win. I guess that's the whole. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and well, Toronto, the Leafs, especially if you're not Texas, the, Le- the Leafs can be a bit of babies too. And I don't think a lot of people like the Leafs. I don't think you have a lot of teams that you know, enjoy the Leafs. It, well, it, it, there is something you said about that too. People who are constantly whining and bitching at at the refs and blah blah. Crosby had a whole bunch of that early in his career, right? Yeah. He was the young kid, and he was running his mouth and people were like, "Oh, just Crosby the whiner, whine into the refs all over." Especially if you're a Washington fan, yeah. going crazy, right? And I guess he kind of outgrew that, or else he, you know, earned the respect of the refs a little bit more, where he didn't have to necessarily jaw and fight for it and plead his case. Yeah, I I I like how in in baseball that those unwritten rules of like showing the emotion, like you said, the pitchers a lot of times they don't get the flack for they'll strike someone out and they'll walk towards their dugout, but they're pumping their fists and they're yelling yeah. and cheering. It's the same but thing, it, but it's the same thing. But maybe the optics aren't as bad when you're not staring at the batter that you just did and pumping your fist. True. Or or true. or as a batter, you're not staring into the opposition's dugout. While you're running down to first and and things, there are some instances where that happens, but the pitter, the pitchers seem to get off a lot easier when it comes to that one on one sportsmanship duel. It's funny, like it's almost a little bit of a social problems in inside the game that they have to, <laughs> they is, have yeah. to work out. You can kind of take a look at that from a worldview, and it's like, yeah. yeah, we just like these are the rules, but you can't do this, but you got to be kind of like this, but you can't, you know, don't take it too far. Yeah, yeah. Here's so who's, here's who the line. judges that right. I guess, it, I guess it comes exactly down to the, the guy that's throwing 100 miles per hour. He's one that, that you know, kind of controls <laughs> yeah. how that happens. And then the other guy that cross-checks you in the face. That's right. And the, the, the catcher behind home plate, he's seeing what's going on. And he's trying to hold the batter back from running at his pitcher who's throwing 100 miles an hour. And you're just, <laughs> away you go. And in that case, both both coaches get uh, get kicked out of the game because there's... There's rules. And, and unwritten rules in, in sports is always an interesting one because there's sportsmanship and there's things like that. Golf has a ton of those. I guess that golf is the number one rule but when it comes down to the golf etiquette, quote-unquote, because that's all unwritten unwritten rules. Except for when it's the waste management. Fuck you and your line. I want to spit and do a tap dance on your line. It's going to help you cut out. <laughs> yeah, that's... Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess, um, so if you guys want to comment on anything, if you think that uh, uh, there should be like an unwritten rule in sports, or if you have any uh, good uh, unwritten rules that uh, we haven't mentioned or are kind of neat to share, let us know. That's a good segue into baseball, I think, though. I think so. Um, The only thing I've really seen lately about baseball was that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. actually uh, won his arbitration. I think they said he's going to be getting $19.9 million. What they had actually said is Guerrero, the headline I read was, Guerrero's going to earn $19.9 million next year. And I thought, well, that's kind of 
putting the cart before the horse. I say Guerrero's going to get paid 19.9, but whether or not he actually earns that 19.9 is yet to be seen because he That's hasn't true. come close to that in the last couple of years. He's taken steps back, and I would like to see a lot more mature Vladimir Guerrero come out firing like an MVP. Well, here's the poll for this week. The poll is trade him, sign him. Ooh, I like it. That's a good one. Yeah, and, that, and that's loaded because I, I I'm on the trade him bandwagon all day long. But if you don't get, trade him for some at least decent stuff, then it then we've it's spent fun. a lot of energy <laughs> into this guy. Yeah, we've spent a lot of time and energy and uh, patience. <laughs> yeah, like I yeah. just wish he would you know just kind of grow up a little bit. Yeah, you're not a kid anymore. Like it's it was cute at the start, but we want to see you hit home runs. That's what we want to see. We want to see you first. Just yeah. hit dingers, all right? That's hit it. hit dingers and don't hit into double plays. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's those sounds... those are the two. And and when you're thinking and when you're on a base, you've made it to somewhere and there's a square white bag underneath your foot. If you think about running, don't. <laughs> Make sure you look at somebody and let them to decide for you whether or not you should leave that white square bag and it, actually start running or not. The, the bags are bigger too, Vladdy, so come on. You got you, more leeway you now, come dance, on. You know, dance a little bit. You, know, you like to dance, uh, so. Uh, I, I, I agree. I really hope there's going to be some maturity out of him. I would like to see a lot more like Joey Votto personality in him where he's a little bit... Just he's a yeah. captain of the team. And yeah. He's not out there just trying to put on goofy home run jackets, even though that wasn't the case last year. Because you got to have somebody like that in the dugout. We have I I got nothing but respect for Bo Bichette. I love him. I think he's a fantastic baseball player. I don't want him to leave, but he's a little bit of an introvert. He doesn't say a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you need somebody else to get people fired up. But George Springer still is kind of a fun guy. Like, he's not that fiery. You know, got Kevin Kiermaier that came back. He's a vet, but still kind of a fun guy. Everybody's kind I of agree. having fun. Yeah. Yeah. Like, let's get somebody in there. Like, who's the pitcher for uh, the Yankees that um, their ace, he gets he gets right fired up. Especially when he plays the Gear Cole? Yeah, I think Gear, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah. there's, you know, I just, yeah, I wish that uh, somebody in the dugout there would... Uh, Maybe take it a little bit more seriously. You know, Schneider wants to keep his job, so he's always. You, you can't if you're yeah you're if you're a new guy and new personality in that room, you can't just start making those those maneuvers. It's up to the older guys, and they've also gotten rid of a couple guys in Teoscar and and Guerrero Jr. They were um, kind of Guerrero, the fun, Guriel, fun guys. So yeah, they've gotten rid of a couple of the fun Guriel guys. went so. to the uh, went to the show yeah. too. And year. and there's nothing wrong with that, but you just can't have a team of all the same core, all the same age, all the same nucleus, have all the same personalities. So I guess a question for you, I'd ask Aaron. As a first baseman, a lot of the times first basemen are known to having some of that light side, the little goofy side, because they like to toy and have a little bit of fun with the people who are at first base. That's part of it. The guy gets on first base, you jaw at him a little bit. There's that fun interaction. That's part of baseball. Do you think because he's at first base, he should already, he should have enough of that fun, super fun time that he doesn't have to bring that to the dugout? Or do you think that he brings that to the dugout or it happens more because He's used to doing that in the defense. He's, it's that way in the in the dugout, and that way when he's on the field playing defense as well. You know, my oldest got a bachelor's degree in psychology. I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. All I know is like you get paid to to you know not go into double plays like Keith said and hit dingers. 
That's it. Yeah, I don't know, maybe, but I don't know. I just think he still acts like a child. You get paid to 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 focus for two and a half hours a day for five days out of seven. I wish we would just want to win more, even as a team. Not on putting it all on Vladdy, but as a team that they just want they have more thirst to win. Not just make it into the playoffs, play two games, and then oh we'll see you next year. See you in the spring. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. That's that's um not the threshold of what's going to make the fan base happy or de- determine whether or not this is a successful season and successful team. Uh, I can, I completely agree with that. And um, they got to buckle down. It's, this is, this is the make or break year for this core because um, what happens this year is going to be a big determining factor of what happens in the next five years, um, who stays, who goes, whether or not ownership has, um, any faith in this core, but honestly, if this core, the way it is designed, doesn't at least win a playoff series this year, then most likely the general manager um, and Shapiro and Atkins are probably gone. So it's going to be a whole new crew of upper management coming in and evaluating the team, which isn't necessarily a bad thing because you get fresh eyes on on it. But it this is a huge season for the Blue Jays in this core. They either make some headway this year or it's going to get blown up and they're going to go in a completely different direction, as they should. Because basically, Shapiro and Atkins have just rolled back the same team that they did last year and they're expecting um, not necessarily career years from Springer and 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 Vladdy, but a return to their top echelon performance, especially when it comes to the plate. It'll be fun, fun to watch. Whatever it is, the Blue Jays are still, you know, they're fun to watch. So, yeah, I guess we'll just have to wait and see in the spring. When do they start swinging the bat? Down Dunny and... Pretty quick, I think, actually. Now that the Super Bowl's over, I think it's we're within, within a couple of weeks away where there's going to be pitchers and catchers and things in spring training and warming up and going through the grind. So. All right, well, we'll keep you up to date with the, uh, the spring training. Uh, coming up, we don't have any more football, folks. Um, but we have we have a lot of hockey. We'll talk some golf. Um, we're gonna let Keith get some rest here. He's still under the weather. I uh, appreciate you guys listening, Keith. You got it. There's like three hundred and thirty days left until fantasy football season starts, or something like that. So it's time to get <laughs> get back in shape. There's le- there's less than that, boss. There's, <laughs> well, like less half, that. there's half of that. Oh man, I gotta get cracking. I feel like like Happy Gilmore getting in the batting cage. He's, like, he's had a lot of Nyquil, so he's a little. Dizzy. <laughs> oh man, I'm behind the eight ball. Time to go. All right, guys, have a great week.